In case you missed it, check out this presentation from last year's best of the best in pediatric surgery. But also don't forget that the next best of the best in pediatric surgery is coming February 1st. We have societies participating from all over the globe. Register through the link below and prepare yourselves for a knockout event. See you there. So now it's time to move on to our next round, which is IPEG. First up, we have a presentation that was presented by Dr. Maggie Bosley from Wake Forest about balloon sphincteroplasty and laparoscopic common bile duct exploration. We'll share some tips, tricks, and troubleshooting. She couldn't be here today, but her colleague, Dr. Lucas Neff, will be here in her place. And then we'll have a senior Dr. Ponsky, recently retired from the Cleveland Clinic, um, and we'll offer some commentary and start out our discussion. We are presenting balloon sphincteroplasty and laparoscopic common bile duct exploration, tips, tricks, and troubleshooting. Mastery of any surgical technique requires instruction and repetition. When beginning to perform laparoscopic common bile duct explorations and balloon sphincteroplasty, inexperience with the techniques can generate frustrations. Employing the following methods and tips can lower the frustration and decrease the associated learning curve. One of the first things that should be done is to create a central location or a cart in the operating room to store all of the supplies that are needed. This will increase efficiency and decrease the threshold for intervention. We also recommend a cholangiogram setup similar to what is depicted in our slide. This includes a 6 to 8 French ureteral catheter, a tuivorce connector, extension tubing, syringes with contrast and saline, along with a 0.035 guide wire. This will allow for either a wire or basket to be advanced into the duct through the same access platform the cholangiogram was performed without need for any additional steps. The tuiborse connector facilitates this and also can be tightened down over the wire or catheter to allow for further flushing without air being introduced into the system during intervention. These small changes to the setup can also increase efficiency and allow for a stepwise approach that facilitates the next steps. Once in the operating room, it's important to be mindful of the ergonomics. As seen here, the fluoro view and the intra-abdominal laparoscopic view are both displayed on the OR screens. After obtaining all the necessary equipment and configuring the proper setup, the first step in performing balloon sphincteroplasty during laparoscopic common bile duct expiration is to perform a cholangiogram. It should be noted that close approximation of an introducer to the ductotomy or even entering the cystic duct will allow for the wire to be advanced and manipulated without introducing undue tension in the wire, causing a spring back effect and losing wire access to the common bile duct. The wire is not seen in this fluoro shot, but can be used to advance the ureteral catheter into the common duct via Selinger technique. In this cholangiogram, filling defects can be seen at the ampulla. The next step in performing balloon sphincteroplasty is to advance the 0.035 guide wire all the way into the duodenum. Once wire access is obtained to the common duct, a 5 French balloon dilator is advanced all the way into the duodenum over the guide wire. The opaque markers indicate the balloon length and can help with positioning. The standard length of the actual balloon is 40, 60, or 100 millimeters in size. The 40 millimeter balloon offers the most versatility when working within the confines of the duodenum and navigating the cystic common duct junction. Next, the balloon is advanced completely into the duodenum and inflated with a 50-50 mix of contrast and saline to better help visualize the balloon body. 
Next step is gently pulling back on the balloon to help identify the ampulla with both tactile and visual feedback. These steps are demonstrated in this floral run. Once you have a good understanding of the location of the ampulla, the balloon should be deflated and pulled back slightly so that it is straddling the ampulla. It should be noted that the location may be different than where it appears on the initial cholangiogram due to anatomy distortion with balloon manipulation. It makes the initial tactile and visual feedback that much more important. Once in proper position, the balloon is ready to be inflated with a 50-50 contrast and saline mix. The ampulla should only be dilated to the size of the common duct. When inflating the balloon, a waste can be seen at the ampulla. As the balloon is continued to be inflated, the waste pops open, meaning the sphincter has been dilated. The balloon should be then held there for three to five minutes. After successful dilation to perform a completion cholangiogram, the balloon dilator can be deflated and retracted to the cystic common duct junction. It can then be slightly inflated to occlude the proximal common duct from stones refluxing back into the hepatic duct. This also creates a more pressurized system through which to flush stones and debris forward. The cholangiogram can then be performed through the lumen of the balloon catheter. In conclusion, to increase LCBDE adoption, you must increase simplicity. The use of a cart in a standardized setup will allow for ease of intervention and balloon sphincteroplasty is a straightforward and effective adjunct to LCBDE. Well, thanks for allowing me to be uh, a commentator on this uh, procedure. It's about time pediatric surgeons got into this stuff. I mean, where have you been? First of all, I want to thank you for this wonderful video and for discovering this technique. As a surgeon who does ERCP and uh, laparoscopy. I, I've used both the endoscopic approach and the transistic approach, and this is a wonderful procedure. We used to worry, number one, that we were going to get more bleeding or pancreatitis. You do get more pancreatitis or bleeding than just a cholangiogram, but you don't get more bleeding or pancreatitis than with endoscopic sphincterotomy. It's the same. So this is a therapeutic uh, technique, and you are tearing the muscles of the ampulla of otter, and one thing you didn't say in the video, but you must do, is to do that dilation slowly. Let the muscles tear, they're tearing slowly. This is the same as an achalasia balloon in the esophagus. So you let it tear slowly. I don't have the patience to wait for five minutes. I wait, usually do this for about two or three minutes and let the balloon down. Then you flush and try to flush those stones out as you suggested. I think that it's very important to try glucagon at the beginning of your cholangiogram. You use a half to one milligram of glucagon depending on the size of the patient. But glucagon gives you the maximum relaxation before you do this technique. This is a wonderful technique. I think we're gonna get better at it, but the first thing that it requires is that people be good at doing cholangiography and people are afraid to do cholangiography. You should get into the common duct. We have to own the common duct and not be afraid of the common duct. The wire passage will often knock a little stone through. It's very important first step in the procedure. And we should be uh, owning this procedure and, and stealing the ERCPs from the GI guys. So congratulations. One minute left in discussion. Great. Luke? 
Yeah, so thank you, Dr. Ponsky. That was an excellent uh, point, especially about the slow, uh, the slow inflation of that balloon. Uh, you definitely want to see that waste too, because we've seen if you uh, are a little bit fooled on exactly where you are, you might pop back into the common duct or pop forward into the duodenum and think that you're doing something when in reality you're not getting any kind of uh, sphincterplasty. Uh, the other thing that, so I mean, that's an excellent point. I love uh, your the conceptual framework. We have to own this disease process. It's good for patients. It gets them out of the hospital sooner. The complication profile, at least in our hands, has been very favorable. So we've been really happy with that. And we also, we're not a freestanding children's hospital. And so we have the opportunity to partner with our adult colleagues and try to get our acute care surgeons uh, doing this as well. So that's exciting to see them start to really adopt this and push this forward. One other thing I would say too, uh, just from the setup standpoint, that angle of entry into your ductotomy is really important. And so if you have a, a bad angle, it's going to create a lot of springback effect in the wire. So it's important to have a nice flat angle of entry as you go into your ductotomy if you're going to use wires and ureteral stents. Great discussion. Uh, Luke, you know, I thought that when I saw this presented the first time, this is incredible. Uh, I think it's going to be putting this in the hands of all of us now. Um, I think we're out of time. The round is over. Uh, Luke, go back to your corner. And uh, thank you. Uh, thanks, Dad, for your, uh, your commentary. Uh, the pediatric surgeons will always kick the general surgeons' butts. Uh, we're always going to be better than you guys. All right, Brittany and Alan. Later, you're later, not earlier. <laughs> later, but better. Dr. Ponsky, I love the idea of owning the common duct, and I'm definitely going to have to remember that next time. And Dr. <laughs> Neff, uh, having all those supplies available definitely seems like an important part to your project, and that's amazing.